Welcome back to the MCON cast. My name is Dylan, and I pastor Middletown Church of the Nazarene in Middletown, Indiana. And today we have a guest. Um, he is uh, got one of the coolest testimonies I've ever heard. Uh, his name is Danny Barrett, and he's here um, to share with us about um, his life, what God's doing, and uh, just all kinds of uh, cool ministry stuff that he's into. Just another uh, person in our church that... Um, that God is just using to spread the kingdom throughout Middletown, throughout the Henry County, the Tri-County area, and the state of Indiana. So I'm excited to have uh, Danny here with us tonight. And um, Danny, how did you get involved uh, with Middletown? Well, Dylan, uh, I came here 18 years ago. I came from California, and I was invited by my nephew, Jesse Jackson, and uh, him and I came here on my second Sunday of moving here from California. And I came in and I just thought that this was the most awesome church to be around. Be Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's great. Um, so what, um, what brought you from California to Middletown? That sounds like um, if I lived in California... I'm not looking across the country and thinking that is where I want to live, Middletown, Indiana. Well, it's a little bit of a strange story. Uh, my sister lived here, mm-hmm. and I had just gotten paroled out of California State Prison. Oh. And uh, my sister did all the work to be able to get me to uh, be able to parole to Indiana because California doesn't let their parolees leave the state. And my right. sister needed to be able to find me a job, find me a place to stay, and a parole officer that would accept me in the state of Cal- Indiana. Wow. And so I paroled April, tw- or I paroled 4th of July, uh, 2001. Okay. And so you got here right around, I mean, in the month of July, you were in this uh, church? Yeah. Uh, yes, it, the month of July. Wow. My second Sunday here in this town. I came to Middletown Church of the Nazarene. So, and you said 2001? 2001. So almost 20 years ago, like yes. 19, 18 and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I won't tell you where I was 18 and a half years ago because it Probably might be still in high school. Man. Or junior 2000, high? 2001. Yeah, junior high. <laughs> Thanks for making yeah. me feel young. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um yeah, I did that to somebody the other day, and they rolled their eyes, and I ducked because I didn't want to get hit. Yeah. But um, so, what? Um, tell me a little bit about um, what landed you in prison. You said you were—I mean, Middletown yeah. was your parole uh, right. destination. So, how? Uh, just kind of walk us through um, how you got to that um, that point in your life. Well, I uh, lived a pretty crazy life. I lived up in North Webster, Indiana. I lived on a lake. Um, and everybody knows the lake life is a, a fun party kind of life. Yeah. And uh, my parents owned a trailer park. And in, this, in the trailer park um, was all about partying, skiing, and just a good time. And most of um, the people there partied most of the time. And I thought that just was a way of life. Well, the party in life followed through to my high school years and um, started out drinking, 
started smoking pot, mm. which led to harder drugs, which led to um, 22 years of an addiction. Mm. And I ended up stepping over the line, learning how to manufacture methamphetamine. And I was arrested with a meth lab and loaded guns. Wow. So, and that was in California? That was in California. So, what landed, how did you get to California? So, you were in North Webster, Indiana, is where you grew up. Is where I grew up. I went from North Webster, Indiana to Texas. Okay. I went from Texas to Michigan. I went from Michigan to California. And that's where I ended up. I built swimming pools for 18 years. Oh, wow. So I was following the swimming pool crave. Gotcha. And California was where all the pools were being built. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So what, um, when you were arrested, um, what's the, I mean, spiritually, like, I guess, well, let's, let's take it back even further. So it sounds like being brought up, there was no, um, Parents were not a positive influence in your life. No, Is that my parents fair? were. Um, they were both alcoholics. Okay, um, and so church. Any, I mean, mm. any sort of grandparents. Okay. When we would get in trouble, we'd go stay with the grandparents. That was our punishment because we'd have to go to church with them. Right. So, so kind of like it was kind of like punishment. It was punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean. Yeah. Um, now what? Um, so you you've you're following and working. I mean, you're living a very functional, I'm a functioning addict. You're a functioning, yes, addict. functioning you're, addict. So this the dealing the drug use that's on the side of right. working a normal nine to five. I mean, what you know what people right. would, I was in construction. What, so what any was, other person would work a, a you know you're just working a regular job and then doing this stuff on the side. Right. You're not. I was a recreational addict. Gotcha. And then. Um, I like I said I stepped over the line into mm-hmm. manufacturing and that's where they aren't so much against you when you're an addict mm-hmm. but when you start manufacturing then you've stepped over the line like sure. I said sure so um now how long were you how much how much time did you serve in prison I got a 6 year sentence and I did 3 years 2 months 10 days 4 hours and 35 minutes Goodness. And um, probably, would you recommend it? Uh, no, I would not. Okay. It was a lifestyle that was very hard. I'm, I'm sure. I've never had experience in that, but I can't imagine um, wanting to. Now, what... Um, now, you... I will say one of the things that I did pick up while I was in prison was I got to be in a firehouse. For 18 months of my time, I was a working fireman. Oh. And uh, we actually got to leave the grounds um, and travel 15 miles out around the prison. We also would get to go inside the prison to fight fires. Also, there was a freeway real close to us, so we did a lot of medical. Okay. Man, all right. So, um, would you... Let's say, would you say, uh, did you take, I mean, any encounter with God or any sort of spiritual um, awakening in prison? Or was this pretty much your sister got you here and and you, this is where you encountered God? In a, I mean, in a real way for the first time. Well, I the first day that I got arrested, when I got put into a county jail, I asked for a Bible. Had oh. no idea 
just thought, okay, I need a Bible. Yeah. And so I started praying, didn't know anything really about God other sure. than punishment going to my right. grandparents' right. house. And um, started reading that Bible. Of course, I'm sure a lot of people have um, said, please, God, get me out of this and I'll never do it again. Oh, sure. And so that was one of my prayers. Yeah. And I remember standing in that cell thinking that God was going to get me out of that. And but um, So I started reading the Bible then, and I just was interested in it and started reading anything I could about wisdom and knowledge and God's grace and God's love. And I was um, just reading all different parts of the Bible and anything I could get literature on. And um, I knew that um, God was a different way of life. So I um, was reading the Bible and um, was building a relationship with God. wasn't sure what I was. I studied Mormon. I studied um, Catholic. I was um, just studied different different religions. Didn't know anything about anything, but knew that there was something out there, something now, different. Yeah. Now did now when you were talking about like Catholicism and and the Mormon religion or or sect of Christianity, did you, um, were there people in there kind of pointing you in that direction yes. or was this stuff you were just yes. doing on your in, own? Anything I could do to get out of a cell, gotcha. I would go to a church service gotcha. or anything that I could do. And that's what got my interest up because mm -hmm. I did, um, Muslim, mm -hmm. they, you know, they have Muslim, um, church and yeah. I don't know if they call it that or not. Uh, I don't but, know, well, you know, like a mosque maybe. Well, I'm not sure what they. I remember us doing Ramadan or yeah. just different things, but anything that I could do mm -hmm. to get out of my cell, I did. And so, any church service, I would go to that that church service. So I was being led in different directions and not knowing enough about anything to really be strong in any faith or anything. Sure. And um, I remember waking up one morning and my bunkie brought his foot down and hit me in the head and I had pulled him off his bunk and just started beating the tar out of him. Yeah. And at that point I, they, um, threw me down on the ground. Mm -hmm. The COs threw me down on the ground, handcuffed me and left me laying on the concrete till they figured out what had happened and, uh, and did all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. And so I'm laying there on the ground and at that point, I just said, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. Whatever it's going to take, I'm turning my life over to you. Because I knew if I didn't turn my life over to him or change my ways, I was never going to get out of that prison. Because here I was in prison, handcuffed, ready to go to the hole, which was even deeper into the prison. Sure. And well, the and path another, I was another going. Another trial, another right. hearing. Man. And so it was not looking good. Yeah, And at that point, when I just surrendered everything to God, I could see a difference. I can look back now and I can see the path that I started to walk and how I followed Christ after that. That's awesome. Now, how far into your sentence would you say that was? It was probably about eight months. Okay. So you, so the majority of your time then you have, I was in, a Christian, you, yes. you have found faith. And I... And in prison, you have to choose if you're going, what gang you're going to be a sure. part of. And I chose to be a Christian. That's awesome. No, I say sure as if I know. Yeah. I've seen on TV that. <laughs> well, it's a lot like TV. Okay. Yeah, yeah. man. That's, uh, oh, that's just really, 
Really interesting. So, okay, so we've been through that. Um, man, what was it like getting out? So you say oh you you do you did the fireman stuff. Was that towards the end? Of yeah, your, 18, so you, 18 months, all the way up till when I paroled okay. out, I was a fireman. Okay, I was a fireman. So you were in and out. I mean, you got to see the outside world. Yes, some. I did. And we, I wasn't inside the prison. I was in a dorm. With mm-hmm. eight guys, okay, and two captains. Gotcha. So we had twenty-four hour captains on duty right. because we were on call all the time. Yeah, that's it. Um, so that first taste of freedom. I mean, what? Just walk us through that day. Like, what oh, was that? What was that my, like? Okay, so they're paroling you, and as you're paroling, you have to walk out to a tower and you read your name off and your your um parole number or your um, CDC number Mm -hmm. and you read that up to the guy up there and he will tell you um, okay and he'll read it back to you and when I did that they said Barrett we have a hold on you step aside and so I'm thinking because you're never out of jail or prison until you're out of prison. Like in the car, looking right? in the rearview mirror. Don't look in the rearview mirror because they say you'll go back if you look oh, back. No. So I was staring straight forward. Yeah. There was no looking back. Anyway, they called me off to the side. Well, with being a, on the fire department, mm. um, I had a pretty good rapport with all the captains and all the mm. COs and everything. And um, the guy that was up there, he had known me for the last 18 months. And uh, he said that it was nice knowing me. And um, the two captains that were in charge of me, they handed me my fire boots. Oh, cool. And I thought that was really my dress fire boots. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really a neat gesture. And that, you know, this is, I'm ready to start a new s- season in life. For sure. And um, so they thought that was real funny pulling me off. Yeah, so, I, I bet they, I bet they were. <laughs> Just yeah. looking to play a joke. That's uh Yeah, it uh, was not a good joke. No. I would I would have panicked. <laughs> so um so I had called a taxi to mm-hmm. take me to the airport. And my brother had bought me a ticket mm-hmm. and so I went straight from the prison to the airport and got on the plane. But before I got on the plane, I'm waiting to to board the plane mm-hmm. and um I thought, you know what? I can drink a Mountain Dew. <laughs> Nobody's stopping me. Sure. And there's a whole machine full of them. Man. So I bought a Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. I thought, wow, that tasted pretty good. So I drank another Mountain Dew. <laughs> My third Mountain Dew, I was walking up and down, <laughs> pacing, <laughs> been to the bathroom three times. It was just um, oh, freedom. I not, didn't know what to do with it. And you're wired. And I had money in my pocket, and I was wired. Oh, man. Yes. Wow. So, um, oh. I okay. Was, <laughs> so. Yeah. So I get on the plane and I'm still, it's just the over, the excitement, the, the freedom, the just, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. And, very overwhelming. and here you are, and you're ear to ear on a plane and everybody else is like, what's wrong with what this is guy? What's up with this guy? <laughs> Airplanes are the worst. <laughs> uh. And, um, so, uh, landed in Indianapolis uh-huh. and my sister picked me up and, I always uh, tell this in my testimony for Celebrate Recovery mm-hmm. that um, I remember walking off the plane and out into the air and everything smelled fresh. Yeah. It smelled green. It just, um, there was just a scent of fresh air because when I was in California, mm-hmm. out in the desert where I was at, it was nothing but 
desert and concrete. Sure. And there just was a cement smell to yeah. everything. And yeah. the smell of that fresh grass and the smell of that fresh air and everything mm-hmm. was just really... I bet, really especially neat. middle of summer. Right. And so then my sister drives me to Middletown mm-hmm. and we're driving and all I see is corn and corn <laughs> and more corn because yeah. I'd never been to Middletown. Oh, sure. And, well, and, I, I, I was surprised you didn't fly to the Middletown airport. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I didn't know that there was one here. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's no airport here, you've flown into Indy, you're coming into Middletown and you've um, you're experiencing the corn, the, yeah, well, I was going to say culture, uh, but yes, the corn, that is the culture. There's beans too. Well, it was 4th um, of July, so it was yeah. only knee high, but that's all I saw right. was green yeah. beans and corn. Yeah. And man, on the, the hormones they put in those there, it's more like chest high. At the yeah, it is. But, um, yeah. So, um, so you get into Middletown, they've got a job for it. What was your job? What did you, um, uh, a gentleman hired me, didn't know me from, anybody and hired me and um he was a a construction worker around here that did remodels did Mm -hmm. roofing and so i was um helping him put a new roof on a house down the street from the church here and i worked for him for a couple days and uh, he came up to me and he said well i like how you're working he goes uh what were you expecting to get paid i (laughs) said anything over 32 cents an hour is going to be a raise (laughs) (laughs) because that's what I made, or I'm sorry, 38 cents. An yeah. Hour. 38 cents an hour would be a raise. Oh, so, so <laughs> I'm sure he's like, well, okay, okay I can give you 50. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, um, and so this is 2001 and, um, um, yeah, that would that even that would have been a bargain then because yeah. minimum wage was probably five bucks or something at that point. Yeah. But uh, that's about I you know was working at that point, you know, odd jobs, and that's about I would get paid about five bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Most of them were not worth it. Right, I had to be the shingle mule a couple times on a roofing crew. And it was, oh yeah, that was. Oh, but you know what? I was just so glad to oh, be gosh, working. Sure. I was just so glad to have my freedom. I'm and, sure, and um, it was. It was, thinking back, that was just what a blessing that was. Yeah. No, I'm sure that was just just such a such a great feeling, especially being so early on, um, having um, this newfound faith in prison and just, I mean, I'm sure you were just itching to, for I a wanted second to go chance to church. at that point. Like yeah, I wanted, I wanted to go see what church was like because I'd been going to the chapel at the prison and um, any any time that we could get in there, we were there. Okay, so, so you're so you're here. You've got I'm a here. job. Um, you've got a place to live. Um, and then your um, who'd you say nephew? My nephew Jesse Jackson yeah. yes. invited you to church. invited me to church here. And so yeah. you walked in, um, and I just fell in love right away. I mean, what it was, was it was just the neatest thing to see. There was a children's program that day. And just to see how it was just so much excitement. There was just so much fun things going on. And the people were, the people were just very welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, yeah, that's what made me fall in love with this place. I mean, you know, granted I was hired here, but I, you know, I would have, I could have said no to that. I mean, that's, that was the exact thing I got when I walked in, you know, we, we have our quirks like any Mm -hmm. church would, but, um, yeah, the people here are, are, uh, Oh, they're very, they're very welcoming, friendly, um, open arms type people. So um, that's awesome that that was that way then, and mm-hmm. it's 
I mean, it still really still, hasn't it's changed. It's still that way, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's and just like... one of the neat things was Pastor Phil, a couple weeks mm-hmm. after I'd been coming, Pastor Phil came up to me and um, said, you got a story. He goes, I'd like to hear your story. And um, so I told him my story, and the next week came in, and Pastor Phil gave me my testimony, what he remembered he had typed out, and he said, could you read this in front of the church? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember getting up in front of the church and nervous as all get out. I yeah. felt like I was a six cylinder running on three cylinders. <laughs> I was, my hand was shaking so bad I could uh-huh. hardly read it. And um, when I got, I don't remember reading it. I don't remember. Reading, I still have that testimony that he wrote me up. Yeah. And I look back on it and half of it wasn't really what I had said. <laughs> it was, uh, he said I was from Wabash and it was from <laughs> North was, Webster. It was his version, which yeah. was good, but it was... Did you stand up and read his version? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> so, oh. so, so and I look back on it now. Everybody was like, oh, it's a Wabash. Yeah. I got a version. And you're like, oh, jeez, <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh. But I remember coming off that stage and I never felt more love mm. than I did from the people. I mean, hugs and kisses and just people just shaking my hand and mm-hmm. I felt at home oh, and awesome. and I remember like the next week they asked me to help take up offering mm-hmm. and I'm thinking I'm a convict you're asking me to help take up the <laughs> don't money don't give me the money <laughs> don't, don't oh. trust me with the money oh, and um, I just remember that was a turning point in my life yeah. or in, at that time that these people love me they these people care they're right. asking me to help them yeah. And that was just something that has well, stuck with me. And forever. after you had shared a version of your story, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? everybody knew I was an yeah. ex-convict. And, well, yeah, but I mean, but what a cool example of grace! Like mm-hmm. that, you know. I mean, that's that is what the church is called to do. It's not, you know, it's not called to keep record of wrongs. It's called to to love and and point to Jesus. And that's and that's what this church has done. No, that's and, awesome. I mean, it's through His amazing grace and the love of this church. Yeah, that has brought me to where I am today. No, that's great. So, um, so speaking of this church, so you've gotten, um, involved, you're, um, you're doing things slowly getting, you know, getting more and more responsibility. Um, talk about, uh, what celebrate recovery has meant for you. How did, how did you get involved? Cause I don't think I know this story in full. How did you get involved with celebrate recovery? And then, um, well, and yeah, let's just talk about addiction. Like did, did your addiction, I mean, were you like prison just cut it out for you? I mean, you're, I'm done with drug use, um, at, in prison or how did that, I mean, how did you, um, overcome that? And then how, like kind of just get into that celebrate recovery, um, stuff. Cause I know you were a huge part of that at our church for the last what, 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, well, what, luckily when I came out, I had no urge or no, I knew, I knew that I couldn't drink. I knew I couldn't do anything like that because one thing would lead to another. So my sobriety was very important to Mm -hmm. me because I know that I would fall right back into my old lifestyle. That was one of the reasons that I needed to parole away from California because they were going to put me right back to where I was coming from. And I only knew one thing. I mean, I, I, I'm a good, I'm, construction worker oh, I, sure. I, I could have done that but I was going there with nothing yeah and here I had a second chance mm-hmm. and our God's about second chances oh, and sure. I did not want to let God down mm-hmm. and my family down and yeah so um, I chose not to 
do drugs or do anything or fall back in that path because I was a new person, new life and, um, wanted that lifestyle. Yeah. And so, um, my addiction, I didn't struggle with, struggle with that very much. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, um, there was another couple and my wife and I heard about the celebrate recovery. So we went to a one day seminar Yeah. and we went to this seminar and we came out of there just in awe. We couldn't believe the honesty, the transparency, just the way these people loved each other. And there was no judgment there. Sure. And so we came back, we shared about celebrate recovery and, um, that was in, that was in June of 2008 okay and um came back and there's a summit in california in august and there was saddleback Saddleback church yep and there was six of us yeah next thing we knew we were on the plane heading out to california some of the people didn't even know what we were going for Mm -hmm. but they were all on board that's cool and we went out there and we came back on fire for celebrate recovery and that was uh, the kickoff. It's always been a, a joke that uh, my son lives out in California. Mm-hmm. So one of the mornings I ran to pick him up and they had a meeting. And when I came back, I was the ministry leader. So <laughs> That's how it happens. <laughs> do don't not miss, miss a meeting. Yeah, don't, don't miss, miss a meeting. Oh. So, so uh, we came back, uh, did the training, did a kickoff mm-hmm. and started our Celebrate Recovery. Now, did that thing take off? I mean, go gangbusters right off the bat, or did it did it build? Because when I got here, you guys were running like fifty people every mm-hmm. week. I mean, it was a big. And, and if you don't know Middletown, we've joked about the airport. There's no airport. Um, we've joked about the corn. There is lots of corn. Um, there are about twenty five hundred people in the town. So for fifty people, um, and I understand they're not all from Middletown, but for fifty people to be involved in a ministry um, of that. Um, I guess specific, um, if that specific of an area, an addiction based ministry, um, that's a big deal in a small town. Um, so how did that, was it an instant success or did, did you have to kind of do some groundwork and get the word out or was it just like, man, like this is a need. God put this group of people together and, and people showed up. Well, the one thing neat about celebrate recovery is it's for any hurt habit or hang up. Mm-hmm. So if you would take recovery out of that and say celebrate life yeah there'd be everybody would be in that program so it we did hit the ground running Mm -hmm. um a lot of people were interested in it and because they were being able to work on their personal hurts habits and hang-ups yeah and so it wasn't just for addicts right and most of the people that are coming are struggling with something that you wouldn't just you wouldn't wouldn't believe that they're dealing with. And, or and it's certainly not just i mean many forms of addiction too not right. just the not just substance abuse i mean there's lots right. of um, different areas of that so uh, that's really cool so then you were the ministry leader for how long eight years eight years so 2008 to 2014 no 2016 that would be eight years 16. i did not go to school for math um <laughs> Which, I mean, it's only eight, so I should have been able to do that in my head. But Yeah, it's yeah, been about four years since no. I've... It doesn't feel like it, does it? No, it does not. Yeah. Um, and so you stepped um, away from Celebrate Recovery to do 
another uh, recovery type ministry and um and that's called the landing or am i missing something did you go was there something in between there no okay well i had already started going into newcastle with celebrate recovery inside yeah and so we'll get to we'll get to that one because i feel like that's your yeah that's your thing yeah yeah, so so stepped away from that and uh was leading a um landing yeah for teens that uh struggle with any kind of hurt habit or hang up and so it's it's pretty much the same format just geared for teenagers right and i know that was um that was a huge help for our youth group here um in town just to have a place where they could go and hear their um you know well the the taglines your story matters they could go and and share their story and hear other stories and know they're they're not alone they're not um weird they're not the only one that's struggling with you know or, or has um certain things you know have had certain things happen to them or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so, uh, talk about that. What was the, um, what was the process in getting that started? I know you guys met in a couple different places and just how did God kind of work all that together? Well, it was uh, pretty neat. God brought an amazing team together. We did a couple kickoffs and, um, we got to the point that we're, uh, we weren't getting anybody really involved, and we all met the people that were showing or were putting it together. Said, "Well, if we can't fill out of this meeting, if we can't fill these positions, then we're going to put it on the shelf and we'll wait and start it up another time." Sure. Well, God, knowing God, yeah. filled each one of the positions that we needed, and so then we started training, and uh, six of us started. Um, meeting every Tuesday night like we would be doing for the program and we trained for a year before we kicked off because we were God put it on my heart to reach the kids that don't fit in anywhere else the kids that are misfits the kids that don't fit into a youth group that don't fit in anywhere sure and he put it on my heart that I was going to get all the heroin addicts and all the hardcore people. And Mm -hmm. we had no place that we were going to do it at. We were just training. Yeah. And then, um, somebody approached us and said that they knew, um, um, knew a, knew a person in Anderson that, um, had a building and we met with this person and he, um, showed us the building and said, you can use it for free yeah and we did some work in it and sandblasted the outside and started getting it ready and six months later and i really felt bad because we were training and then on the weekends we were meeting over there and doing the work so the team that god put together really pulled together and did a lot of work to get this program up and running a lot of overtime a lot of overtime and uh it was just a really neat neat program yeah so we started out there and uh was there for almost a year Mm -hmm. and then we moved out um madison park had a church where their their celebrate recovery was meeting yeah and we got to move out there and we were out there for two years yeah and um you guys did all kinds of um events i mean you had your weekly stuff well i guess your events were on weeknights too it was that's the one thing with Celebrate Recovery um, and the landing and any of that that's kind of out of that um, Celebrate Recovery realm is you guys don't cancel for anything. No. I mean, it just... It, the, I the think the eight years that 
um, I led, there might have been one night, and then there still were people here. Oh, that yeah, went through I'm a sure. snowstorm. Yeah. Actually, one of the guys was here plowing so the people could get in. And, um, yeah, we don't, they don't cancel for that because no. cause your hurts, habits, and hangups don't get put on hold. Right. The Super and Bowl that, isn't going right. to take your, yeah. All right. Which, so that's when people need it the most is yeah. when stuff like that's happening. Yeah, when everything else is, is closed. That's, I've, I feel like there was one of them, it was like Christmas night. And, oh yeah, we have if and, the if uh, Sunday falls on any holiday, we're still here. Yep, yeah, that's um, that is wild. I mean, there are not many things um, that you could get. If I tried to get volunteers on Christmas to do anything, they'd say no, thank you. <laughs> they'd say that's sorry. because the people that come to celebrate recovery are there for each other. Yeah, they're there to love on each other, and they're there for each other. Yeah, so. Um, We've talked about Celebrate Recovery being this um, thing that just doesn't cancel. It just keeps on going, and it's this consistent ministry for people who are struggling, um, with, like you said, with anything. I mean, literally anything. Um, and But there's this... I've gone to Celebrate Recovery, Celebrate Recovery a couple times. Um, my home church opened one. Um, I'm not sure. Well, we won't get into this, but I need to... When we're not doing this, I need to talk to you about a guy that, um, that I grew up with going to church... Um, He's got a, a story kind of like yours, but he started Celebrate Recovery at our church. And so through that, I've gone a couple times there, and then uh, and then I've gone a few times here. The, the, the other thing that always gets me is the honesty, just like the brutal honesty of um, whoever is leading it gets up, and the first thing they say is, I'm an addict of <laughs> however many, and you're just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you barely know their name. You don't know their last name. Right. You just know... My name is My name is Danny. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Struggle with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm recovering every day right. and every day is a yeah. recovery. And so it's just such this 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 open and honest um thing and it is and you know and and I'm I'm always the only one taken back by that because I'm not used to people being so um just blatantly honest and vulnerable and transparent. Um but we talk about that, and it's one thing with adults, but kind of talk about how the impact you saw in, like, teenagers' lives. Um, I mean, because we know Celebrate Recovery in adults, like, it's this it's this big thing, and it, it is helping um, lives, you know, be transformed, bringing people to Jesus, addictions conquered. Um, what What is it like in the life of, like, a teenager? How, I guess, kind of talk about that. How how was that, um, you know, how, how with the landing, how was that... Um, impacting those teens well that was uh the thing that was so eye-opening was when uh teens would show up i thought we were gonna get all these drug addicts and all these hardcore kids Mm -hmm. and it was just the opposite it was kids that were not fitting in anywhere that were coming from troubled home lives and abandonment their parents were in prison their grandparents were raising them uh they'd been kicked out of school not that they were dumb or anything or troublemakers. They just didn't fit just, in. They were just misguided. They were just, animal. right. And so as these kids are coming, I'm hearing their stories and I'm hearing what their lives are like. And it just breaks your heart to yeah. to hear what these kids are going through in their home life. And you wonder why they struggle with drugs and alcohol and everything. They're not being... It's, well, it's what they're around. Well, yeah, their parents. That's their I mean, parents that's what their are, parents are using it. to cope, yes. and then 
you know. And, and so and, they fall back into the same thing. I mean, the kids were one of the young ladies that was coming. Um, she said, I don't want to get high. I don't want to be like that. But mm-hmm. I get up in the morning when I'm ready to go to school. My mom breaks out her bag of weed and smokes a joint with me. Yeah. I, I don't want to be that way, but it's what is in my face. Yeah. And the kids, a lot of the kids that were coming in there, they struggled with abandonment issues. Oh, sure. And just, um, it was heartbreaking. And they were just kids that just needed love done. Yeah. And, and abuse as well. I, I mean, you know, I mean, some, you know, some of the students and, um, I was the youth pastor here for any of our listeners. I was the youth pastor here for almost five years. Um, and just the, the amount of, um, just the, the few kids that confided in me, I mean, I, you know, I've told a few students this, it's like, I would, I would be off in a hole somewhere if, and I mean, and I don't mean like in like underground and I mean like literally just hiding, like not dealing with anything. If I had been through, you know, half of what some of these kids have been through and it's just such a, um, and it's crazy cause they don't even really, it's just like they view it as normal. I mean, it's like the, you know, it's just this, uh, the way they carry themselves anyway, most of the time you wouldn't know, you know, you wouldn't know that these kids have been um, put through the ringer so many times and, um, the abuse, yeah, the just uh, um, mind blowing of what they've gone through in their short lives. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to um, just be raised in a family, you know, normal. Like we went to church, mom and dad in the home, and I, I was brought up with. I mean, really, like I, you know, I have no reason to, you know, um, be in any position now. You know, anything that I've done is my own stupidity. I guess, but, um, but you know, the, the, um, the amount of just tragedy, I guess, that these teenagers have seen, um, such an important, um, opportunity. So what, I guess, talk about, um, or maybe, you know, if, if at all talk about some of the, the, I don't say progress, but you see transformation. I mean, did you see, what was the value in their lives of this, this program? I would say the biggest value was, after they started coming and realized that we were not pushing anything on them, that we were just there to love them, to share God's love with them and to um, reach out to them. We got to see them open up and let their guards down because kids don't let you get close to them. They, they have them walls built up Mm -hmm. and they're not going to show any kind of affection or anything. And as the relationships built and uh, the more and more they came, you could see the guards going down and mm-hmm. you could see joy in them. And we, you know, our God, our God is a loving God, a caring God. Yeah. Most kids think that God is a judging God and you're going to go to hell. And yeah, but that's not our God. Our God is a loving and caring God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, you know, it, it you know, God is um, just pursuing us constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not, and, you know, we really, we should be doing the same. And you talked about, I uh, just thought it was cool, something you said earlier about, you know, getting these outcasts, these fringe people, the people that, you know, are misfits and not, you know, just kind of on the outskirts of society. I mean, that's exactly who Jesus put himself around, exactly. too. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, you know, it's like, and I think God, you know, put place that in your heart to, to you know, to do that. But, man, it's just like, 
you know, he's really calling all of us to do that. You just are one who, who's got it, who has um, figured that out, that this is something we should be doing as, as just people, people who follow God, the church. Um, you know, th- there's so much hurt and heartache, and it really is, I mean, it's, it's simple because, like you said, the you know, like this program, it was it was a year of training and six months of, you know, working on a building and doing all these, but, but you know, it is as simple as getting people together and loving people and how just, um, you know, we don't have to be, um, you know, anything fancy. We don't have to save people. We don't have, I mean, all we have to do is, is love, um, people as God's loved us. And that's, um, you know, that's, it's such a powerful thing. Um, when you recognize, you know, that, what I can do is love people, and that's really it. I and have that's no. That's what powers. God calls us to do. Yeah, is to love one another. Right, and you know, there's nothing, there's no powers that I possess or you possess that that would, you know, I I can't heal someone of their addiction. I can't make a decision of their salvation. I can't save someone, but I can, um, I can show them who Jesus is through how I treat them, and um, it just goes such a long way, um, but especially in those who've maybe never been shown that by um, somebody, especially those who, you know, are supposed to, parents or, um, you know, whoever, whatever adults in their life or uh, friends. It's such a such a need um, in, I mean, in our community specifically and um, with, uh, you know, with, with our area, the heroin epidemic, I mean, just all these different, you know, there's, people have, I mean, this is what kids are growing up with, you know, it's not, I don't know what the statistic is, but it's, it's big, you know, there's a lot of people that are, that are addicted to drugs, alcohol, and using this stuff regularly, and they're, those people, if they have kids, they're seeing that, Um, and it's just this normal thing, and um, so it's, it's really cool to, um, and, you know, I don't know, did the landing start out of Celebrate Recovery? I mean, is that like Celebrate Recovery Inc. or whatever? Right. Yeah. I mean, just what foresight to see that and think, you know, there's, this is, I mean, and honestly, I mean, you know, in 10 years from now, there could be one for kids that, you know, I mean, for these same things, it's not, and I mean, you know, God forbid, but, um, you know, people are just going to keep, I mean, as long as this stuff's around, it's, you know, the exposures is going to keep getting more and more, um, normal. And then the, um, you know, exposure leads to, um, whatever else. So, um, so you ran the landing for three, three years and, and years. Okay. Three and a half years in total. Did all these, um, awesome things had concerts, had, um, events. You fed kids every week. Yep. Is I that had people volunteer? We had different people come in each week to make sure the kids got a good meal. That's awesome. And, um, just a lot of neat things go on with was going on with that program. Yeah, that's really cool. So, um, so in the last what year or so, God has kind of transitioned you into a new role, still within Celebrate Recovery. Still within Celebrate Recovery. So talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, eight years ago, May fifth, we started going into Newcastle State Prison. And with Celebrate Recovery inside. So uh, another gentleman and I, we start going in there May 5th. And uh, was our first night in. Talk about different going back into the prison. But I had been going into the prison and doing uh, 
uh, testimony and mm. helping it with other ministries that go into the prison. Yeah. But this was an opportunity to take Celebrate Recovery inside the prison. Yeah. And that's what we started doing. And so we've been going in there for eight years now. And um, that is just where you really get to see the tra- get to see transformation in men's lives is inside the prison. They are so hungry for God. They're so hungry to change their ways. And Celebrate Recovery is a program that it gives you the tools that you need Mm -hmm. to be able to come out of there and be able to work that program because the program's out here everywhere. So they learn the program inside the prison, and then they get plugged in to Celebrate Recovery on the outside. That's that's such a valuable, um, valuable tool. So... Um, talk about maybe what um, what are you going to? No, what night are you? In I prison? go. We go in an uh, L dorm, uh-huh. which is um, on Thursday night. Okay, and that's the level one. Yeah, and then on Monday night we go into the prison itself. Okay, so you're in there two nights. Two a week. nights a week. Okay, yeah. so describe um, maybe what um, a night what a night of ministry inside the prison is like. Well, uh, on the Thursday night we get to go into the prison. It's um, it's a level one. So these guys are a lot less, they're got a lot more privileges and everything. And it's not as hard as it is on a Monday night when we go in. So we go in, we'll, um, open with prayer, do a, uh, video, a couple worship songs and, um, share a little bit of what our life is like going through the week. And, we're building relationships. These guys that are, are come to this group, they are not in the same pods. They're, they don't see each other other than that one night. Okay. Some of them do, some of them don't, sure. but the majority of them don't see each other. So we're asking them to come together and to share all their dirt right. on, on what's then, going on in their life yeah. to work this program. And so it's very skeptical of what they want to share or anything. But as the time goes, you see the relationships build with each other, the relationship build with God. And um, so as we're sharing and through the evening is when the walls are being broke down, when the barriers are being torn down to where um, they can be a little more human. And yeah. It's hard to trust anybody in a prison. You, oh, sure. There's no trust in there. Again, and, I know from TV. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for these guys to be able to open up and to share what they're really struggling with. Yeah. And the neat thing is, is it goes around the room and we're answering these questions and working the program. Everybody has are struggling in the same areas. This guy's story is the same as my story. Sure. And, um, that's where the connections yeah. Come. Oh, that is awesome. And so, um, your role, you took a new role and I'm still not sure that I fully understand, but you are now within, you're kind of in the organization part uh, of that for the state. CRI. Right? Yes. There's okay. a, we have a state rep mm-hmm. and he's from uh, Northern Indiana. Okay. And so I am doing the Southern part of the state Okay. with, um, we're trying to get into six new prisons this year. Wow. And uh, three years ago, I think it is, that we partnered up with uh, Prison Fellowship, Mm -hmm. which was a Chuck Colson ministry, and they're huge in the prisons. Yeah. 
So we are putting a program together that is, we're going to be able to go in and Prison Fellowship has two uh, parts and Celebrate Recovery is going to be the third part. And we're hoping to be able to present this to the prisons and um, maybe be able to, as they go through the program, they might be able to get a time cut, give them something to work towards. Sure. And not only that, but man, incentive to come to the program. I mean, and work, work the program. It's yeah. going to be a year-long program, so they might get a little bit of, we're not sure where we're at with the in the stages sure. on that. No, that's, that's great, though. It's so cool to see um, God at work and all these just, you know, I mean, I know some prisons are not government run, but you know, these, these entities that are not, not inherently Christian, um, you know, in a correctional facility, you don't think of a Christian institution. Um, but to be able to go in there and represent Jesus for, um, you know, I mean, just that God's opening these doors, um, for you, it's, it's six new ones. So how many prisons would that be total? Um, and that, that CRI would be in inside of. Well, CRI is in... Well, I mean, in I'm Indiana, sure. I guess. Is that... I'm not sure how many, yeah. are, how many are in. So, a lot. I mean, a lot, yeah. yes. That's cool. Um, right now, we're trying to put a program together to get into Celebrate Recovery Inside at the women's prison down in... At Rockville um, Women's Prison and get Celebrate Recovery Inside in there. That'd, that'd be really, really cool. So... Another thing that you've kind of mentioned to me before, and I don't know if this is part of that program or if this is just a, a passion that you have, but um, the transitioning out of of prisoners. So um, when someone is released, then um, you're working towards trying to establish networks within of churches. I mean, is that correct? correct? Yeah. So you have a place to kind of play. I mean. Because you're living proof of, of the success of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that you know, is that fair? Yes. Um, to say, so. Talk so what we're trying that. to what we're trying to get together, and there are places around, but we're trying to get a halfway house mm-hmm. or a place where the guys parole out and they'll have somewhere because when they come out of the prison, mm-hmm. they get a couple hundred dollars. They get dropped off at a hotel sure. and they have to fend for themselves then. Right. So it, um, we're working on towards trying to get a, a housing so that they have a place that they can parole to and have a roof over their heads till they get their feet on the ground and right. get a job and have a place to stay where it doesn't cost them $60 a night to, right. to sleep. Yeah. It doesn't take long to get through that money. And no, then, not, I mean, that's like, that's why nights. the re-citizens rate is so high. That yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, let's say someone listening to this, whether it's within our church or maybe it's just somebody in the area, um, wants to get involved with this kind of, this type of ministry, where's a good entry point for them? Is it like, come talk to Danny or is there like a website they could get information on or is there, um, something that they would need to do? Um, so if somebody's interested in maybe that. Uh, helping, um, you know, with the transitional, with a, someone paroling out, getting them a, you know, helping them find a job or helping, I mean, maybe, you know, there might be someone that's interested in that. Um, Couldn't they just get in contact with me? Yeah, no, that'd and be awesome. I could plug them into the different people that are already working on yeah. this. 
Are you are you on Facebook? Yes. You on are you on any other social media? Uh no. Well, hey, that's fair enough. I wouldn't be on any if it wasn't if yeah. my job didn't um demand it so much. Um okay. So I guess if you're if you are a listener that is within MCON, talk to Danny. And if you're a listener that is not, maybe just call the church. Call, yeah, call the church, church or get a hold of Celebrate Recovery at our church. Yeah. That's a perfect place to plug in because what we're doing is we are getting the guys that are a part of Celebrate Recovery inside. Mm-hmm. We're reaching out to their families and getting them plugged into Celebrate Recovery or our church right. so that when they come out, they are already established somewhere and have some place to go. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So if anybody who's listening um, wants to get involved in this um, this prison uh, ministry, Celebrate Recovery Inside, um, and specifically through what you are doing, um, how how would they get involved? Is there uh, like an email or, um, you know, something? Yes, they, can, of... they can get a hold of me through 3bministries at gmail.com. Okay. And I can connect them to any other programs that are going on. Great. And then if you don't do email or prefer uh, not to do email, um, you can always call Middletown Church of the Nazarene. We are on Google. um, And we will point you in the direction of Danny um, one way or another. So... um, with all that being said, I think we could probably talk for two more hours, but yeah. um, I know you've got a lot of um, stories and a lot of just awesome uh, things in ministry that has happened to you and that you've done through the years, and um, I just appreciate you coming on and talking to us, and um, we'll have to have you back here in a few months and check in on what God's been doing with that ministry and how the housing stuff is going and all that, so um we will uh, have you back on for sure. But I just want to um, thank you for coming on and being a part of our church. We have so many. Um, and as you listen to this podcast, uh, as the months go by, you'll just hear, um, you know, Paul first and now Danny. We just have incredible person after the other here at this church. And it's uh, it's just so cool. But um, I'm just so thankful you're a part of things here and leadership and, um, and just uh, sticking around, sticking with us through this transition here at MCON and um, and just really thankful for what you're doing and um, how you're just letting God use you in our community. It's really cool to have such good representation of, uh, of Jesus walking around outside of our church walls. So thank well, you for being here. Thank you, Pastor Dylan, for yeah. inviting me. Awesome. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of the MCON cast. Uh, I still don't have a good sign-off line, but we'll, uh, we will see you next time. Sayonara. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>